Hey, folks, let me ask you a question. Have you ever been in the situation where you've absolutely hated your W 2 job? You know, where you felt frustrated because you're spending so much time away from your loved ones, your family, missing out on seeing your kids growing up, and you just wanted a way out. Well, today's guest, Brian O'Neill, is an accomplished real estate entrepreneur who did exactly that relatively not that long ago. So Brian uh, comes from the corporate world, and has, since then, he has made a very, very big splash in real estate investing. So he's zooming in from beautiful Chicago. Mr. Brian O'Neill, welcome to the show. Dave, thanks for having me on. I'm looking forward to this. And that was a great intro, by the way. Oh, thanks very much. From one podcaster to another, I appreciate that. So Brian, tell us a little bit about yourself, your background, what made you, you know, jump ship from your high paying, high flying corporate job and get into real estate investing full time. Right. Hard to do. And I don't expect anybody to feel sorry for me that I had a high paying W-2 job, but you know, I became a prisoner in that W-2 job because I created a lifestyle around the income, right? Mm. And I just said, and that caused me to be trapped for a long time. I was in corporate sales for 25 years. I was with the same company for 17 years. I was selling elevators, if you can believe that. Oh, uh, hey, so you know what? That is a high dollar business, man. I have been involved in buying an elevator. I know how much those suckers cost. So yeah. They're, I, they're not inexpensive. No, for sure. And you know, I had always, as I continued to, you know, increase my potential with 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 income, I just got deeper into the trap of the W two, right, and yeah. got sucked in. I'd always knew, Dave, that there was something more for me that I I was destined for something else, right? I mean, I came from the the same school of a, a lot of men my age, which is you know, go to school, get a job, uh, go to a good college. Uh, get into a good management training program, work there for 40 years. And maybe if you got enough money, you can retire at 60 and get the gold watch. Right. Yeah. And I subscribed to that. But then as I, I started to just feel differently about it. And then the, what happened was I had a son and I was gone a lot. I was traveling a hundred thousand miles a year from my job. I was gone every other week. And when he was small, I was missing him grow up. I, yeah. I come back. He's looking different. He talks different. I'm missing parts of his life. Mm. That ate away at me, coupled with the fact that I had not had not gotten over my self-limiting beliefs and you know, taken my shot, if you will. And then one day he said to me, I remember it pretty vividly. He's like, Hey dad, I'm I don't like when you leave. Like, don't go. I'm scared. I don't I'm scared when you're not here. And that was it for me. That was kind of the the straw that broke the camel's back. My son gave me the courage to quit being afraid and to take my shot. Cause I I said, look, I got I got one child. I got one shot to watch him grow up and I'm not going to miss it. And yeah. yeah, that, that we talk about the why, man, that, that is a very good why that's what it's all about. Totally. So I, this was three years ago, you, you know, when I left my, with my, I left my corporate job, it took some, you know, I had to do some things to get over that, to, to get to that point. But that was really the start of it was that conversation I had with him and be like, Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm going after this and I'm not quitting. And I'm never going back to that life. He's never saying that to me again. Nice. And you've done it. Congratulations, my friend. So, hey, that that was not a le easy leap to make. I'm sure you had, you know, you're you're making good money at the W-2. Mm -hmm. So you've got, you probably, I'm assuming, you probably got a big house, mortgage payments, nice car, car payments, payments coming out the yin-yang that you have to support. 
how were you able to transition financially from that steady 80 paycheck to being self-employed? Yeah, great question, Dave. And by the way, uh, my wife drives a nice car, not me. Um, maybe one day we'll we'll see what happens. But yes, all of the above is true that you just that you just mentioned. And again, that really put the downward pressure on me to stay in the the W two. Like I have to have this. No one's gonna. I'm not. I'm never gonna be able to replace this income. Well, with the help of coaching my son, uh, being singularly focused and having that strong why, as you will, I was able to create enough income in real estate deals. Okay. Specifically creative finance, really real estate deals. I buy everything. We can get into that. I buy everything creatively subject to lease option owner financing. Yeah. I had enough deals. I was like, this is proof of concept. I'm good at this. This works. And then when it came time to leave, this is why I think coaching is so super important. I was still subscribed to the old life. Like, no, no, no. What about my health insurance? What about my benefits? Mm. And, right. you know, I, I, I'll never forget the words that my coach said to me when I, when I was having that conversation with him, I'm thinking about leaving, but, 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 but he said, Brian, the W2 is the risk, man. And I, uh, that's all he said. And I thought about it for a second. I, and I said, you're hundred percent right. Just and like I resigned that, that like fast. two days later. Yeah, that was yeah. it. That was it. So you mm -hmm. sometimes you need the help and support, but that's how I was able to finally leave. And that's been, it's been about three years since I've done that. I did it through real estate and so many other doors have opened up as a result of this, the decision that I made several years ago where I was going to take my shot. Nice. I love those kind of stories, my friend. Thank you. Uh, creative deals. That's near and dear to my heart. I have not done anywhere near the volume you have, but that's how I cut my teeth in real estate when I started way back in 2003. So one of those wonky infomercials, you too could get rich with little or no money down. I said, perfect. That's what I got. Yeah. <laughs> Went to town. It definitely, definitely does work. So tell us a little bit what I'm curious about here, Brian, mm -hmm. is you come from corporate America, corporate sales. What, what do you feel are the biggest transferable skills that you've brought from that career to real estate investing? Because I'm making some assumptions, but I'd really rather hear it from you. Yeah. Okay. So assumption, myth number one is you have to be in sales to be a real estate investor. No. Mm -hmm. uh, I had the, the real estate group that I coach for that I'm, that I'm a part of people from all different walks of life. You know, we have mm -hmm. government employees, we have, you know, doctors, attorneys, it's not, not sales is not something actually it hurts you. Okay. Oh, really? I had to, I had to relearn because what does a salesman typically do? They blab out a bunch of features and benefits without uncovering why you may or may not need need the thing that they're trying to sell you, which is what I did with my elevators. Real estate investing, I had to kind of relearn how to have conversations. So the fact yes. that I was, you know, kind of stoic and good in a room, and I could talk to people, and I wasn't afraid of the phone helped, but I had to relearn how to have conversations with people who had problems that I had to uncover, right? So getting into the active listening side of things more. Yeah, which has really helped me in all other areas of my life, my relationships with my friends and my family. I mean, it's just, it just kind of pours over. Nice. And yeah, so that's probably the biggest thing I would say is, you know, the, the, the way that the conversations are had with, with sellers. I've talked nice. to thousands and thousands of sellers and I'm at the point now, Dave, where on a, on a first phone call with a seller, I don't even talk about numbers. It's just just kind of creating some rapport, building up a bit of a relationship. 
what are you trying to accomplish? Everyone trying, everyone looking to sell their house has somewhere to there. There's a reason they're selling. There's somewhere that they're going and there's a timeline where they need to be there by. If you can have, I would, this is the advice I would give to any real estate investor. If you can have a clear understanding of what that is, you're going to know within a short amount of time, whether or not you can help them, whether you're a creative financing uh, person like myself, a wholesaler, you know, you buy, you're a fix and flipper, whatever. Hmm. You have a good understanding of that. You're going to get a lot more deals, in my opinion, my humble opinion. No, I I would tend to completely agree with you. So, Brian, I'm always curious because you're you're in the trenches right now. It's been, geez, 20 years since I was doing what you're actively doing right now. Mm-hmm. Um, what's working? I know what worked well for me back in the day. Some of it I hear still works very nicely. But what are you finding is working best for you? for gen- generating motivated seller leads? Yeah. Okay. Great question. Uh, I was just talking about this uh, the other the other day. And lead generation, again, I'm just going to say with lead generation is pick one source at a time. Don't try to cast a broad net. Like get really good at this one lead source, then continue to add. But the lead sources that, re- that really work for what I do, creative financing, is we, we call people who are actively trying to sell their house. So expired listings yeah. are, you don't have that in, I don't even have access to that in Canada, I don't think. But in the I, States, I, if, if you got a good, if you got a realtor who's a good buddy, yeah, I think you can. Yeah. True. True. Thanks for correcting me. But people actively trying to sell their home and they can't, like they failed or they canceled or whatever, those are great yeah. leads to call on. Now you need to have access to that. You can't just, you know, you have to have access to the MLS, not hard to get. Uh, And then the other source that we call on a lot are for sale by owners. They're typically not high on the motivation scale, but it's good to get them in your funnel because eventually what the thing about Fizbo's is people don't like Fizbo's. I've, I've bought a lot of houses from for sale by owners is within 30 days, they're going to do something different. They're either going to hire a realtor. They're going to rent the house. They're going to do something different because they can't handle the volume of phone calls that's happening. They don't understand what they're getting themselves into. So I get them top of funnel and then we follow them all the way through. Those are great leads to, to get into your funnel. Uh, targeted lists you can pull. There's a, a variety of different ways. We like pre-foreclosures. A lot of people are not paying their loans right now, Dave. Yeah. A lot of people, we hear all this talk about low inventory, okay? But nobody talks about how many people are not paying their loans and for how long it's been going on. So. Uh, pre-foreclosures, free. You go to your county usually and get the list. Like I'm giving you free ideas on how to get leads. Mm-hmm. Out of state, free and clear owners. That's a, you you know that one. That, that, that yeah. That's always a good one. Competitive list, but that's a good one. Tired landlords. A lot of landlords got burnt out from COVID. They don't want to deal with it anymore. Right. You can take their properties from them, you know, or you can take the landlord, take them out of the landlording business. Hmm. If that's their goal, so there's just a few ideas. I mean, no, those are great ideas. Now you say start with one at, start with one first, get good at it, then add on more as you go along. How did that kind of play out in your journey, Brian? So when you were, because you started this, you were still punching the clock, working full time, juggling mm-hmm. family, juggling all of this kind of stuff. What did you find? Um, you know, step one worked best for you as far as lead gen. Step one for me was expireds and for sale yeah. by owners. I had a list. I would, while I was traveling, I would pick my spots. Hey, I'm in the airport lounge. I'm at a hotel. I got 15 minutes here. I would just call. I would call and call and call. And then I started getting deals and I got really good at that. I hired people 
to handle the expires and the FISBOs. And then I add, started adding uh, mailing lists, these other targeted lists that you mentioned. And now we're at the point where we're starting to do an SEO campaign where we're, we're looking to get organic leads that are searching for, hey, sell my house fast. Or, you know, mm -hmm. And that's a big effort. I wouldn't necessarily start with that, but that's the evolution of the lead gen. Nice, 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 nice. So you do a bunch of different stuff. I'm just curious, what's kind of, out of all of the creative solutions you provide for people, what would you say is the the most common one that you do the most often? Okay, so most common and aligns with what I like to do, because I'm also a believer in uh, being targeted and, and niching down, which okay. I never believe that, but it's like, hey, I'm this is what I'm trying. This is the seller that I'm trying to help, right? Okay. So I'm looking mainly at sellers who bought at the height of the market, maybe 18 through 21. They have great interest rates. Um, they're, they, they, they're, they paid a lot for their house. Maybe they're in a minimal to low equity situation. Maybe if they sold, they would have to write a check mm. at the closing table, but they have to move. Again, we went in the beginning. I said, hey, you have to have a reason to go somewhere. If, if right. the option of staying in your house exists, I'm not going to be able to help. You're just going to stay in your house. Right. So I'm looking at buying their property subject to their existing loan. Sometimes I give them their equity. Sometimes they don't have any. Sometimes I give it to them at closing, but I free them from the burden of this the house burden. so they can go wherever they want to go. And then you sell it via lease option, owner financing. I, what do you? Yes and yes. I can. Okay. I can. Those are my preferred. I could rent it. Long. I mean, I own the house, so the debt stays yeah. there forever. And I own the property, so I can do whatever I, I want with it. But that is my preferred strategy is a is a is a long-term owner financing with the buyer. Now, are you getting are most of your sellers pretty open to the whole idea of selling it to you subject to? Or are you doing a number of uh, sandwich lease option type situations as well? I've done a lot of sandwich leases, a lot of them, uh, especially when I first started. It was just easier because, you know, you'd have to pay closing costs and it was just a, a little bit easier. Now, what I found was for me personally, was the seller still involved in it, right? Yeah. To deal with the seller. So and a lot of sellers get what we like to call amnesia uh, two yeah. or three years <laughs> down the road and they don't remember what they agreed it's, to. Especially if the, if the value of their house has gone up significantly. Yeah. I, yeah. I, you, I, yeah. I, I'm glad you said it, not me, but um, so yes, I, I love those though. I, I do them in the right situation and it has to be a longer term. Right. Mm -hmm. Whereas if I buy it subject to, I just tell the seller, I'm like, look, this is, and and a lot of people get fearful of subject to you. So about do on sale and you can't do that and all this stuff. And it's like, yeah, you can. It happens all the time. Hmm. But this, and, and then you think the seller's going to freak out. But if a motivated seller will never question it, like, here's what's going to happen. I tell them exactly what's going to happen. I'm going to take over your loan. I'm going to take over your payments. You got to be okay with that. The loan's going to stay in your place and in your name for indefinitely. You got to be cool with that. Hmm. Step number two, we close on the property. The deed transfers to me. I own it. And if anything goes wrong with the house, it's my responsibility because I own it. Do you see how I just turned that onto a positive? Because most sellers yeah. can be like, well, what if this happens? It's like, no, no, no. If that happens, it's on me. Right. So they just got to get over the loan thing being out there in their name, and then they can move on. And I always put them in their place. I'm like, Mr. Seller, you can be in Florida living your best life. You'll never have to worry about this house again. <laughs> I love it. I love it. That is that is beautiful. That is well said. Thank so. You. Uh, Brian, the, the other thing that I wanted to ask you about, because you're, you're coming at this from a, 
a unique situation, unique background as well. Mm-hmm. So I, I noticed that you've got a podcast going, you got the YouTube going, you got some coaching going, you're busy in other aspects besides just boots on the ground doing deals all day long. Yep. You got a team in place to help you out with that. What, what were the, your thoughts and, and your goals behind doing those kind of things, especially, well, let's talk about the podcast. Sure. And like most entrepreneurs, I suffer from shiny object syndrome and I'm distracted <laughs> all the time. So yeah, you have to watch that. Uh, the W2 Prison Break Show is my podcast. And, you know, it's really, it the, the dream of the show or the goal of the show is to inspire 1 million younger Bryans. All right. Okay. The younger, the guy that I described in the beginning who hated his job, he didn't know what to do. He created this lifestyle. And he d- doesn't know what the first step is, right? So you don't have to do what I did. It took so long. It, it, and once I did, you know, once I went through the series of steps that I went through, it, I went from trying to quit for 15 to 20 years down to nine months. You don't have once to you do got clear. Once, once you got clear on your why, man, that's totally. hard. That, that, that did it. Awesome. No, that is great. And okay. So you're, you're, lo- you're using it as a, as a vehicle to inspire people. Is there a, a back-end purpose to the the podcast as well? Is it to generate some some potential coaching clients? Is it to generate, well, that would potential investors down the road, perhaps? I'm not yeah, sure. definitely. A lot of real estate investors listen to the show. Mm-hmm. I do do coaching minimally. I'm pretty, my bandwidth is pretty high right now, but uh, ultimately I'd like to, I love doing this. I love being on shows. I love having people on my show. I love learning because I, I view it as a learning experience. Like I get yeah. so many nuggets, like from this conversation, right? So some of the things that you've said, and ultimately, I think that I was meant to inspire people. Like real estate was what I what got me out of my job. I'm not going to be doing that forever. In terms of in the trenches, like I'll always do deals, but I think that I was put here to inspire people, to educate people, to give them hope, and you know that is a big burden on my shoulders, but I'm ready for it. And I got to do it through my show and speaking on stages. I mean, that's, I look, Dave, uh, three and a half years ago, I just wanted to leave my job. That's yeah. it. Yeah. I never knew what was going to come of it. So my, my, my advice and encouragement to anybody listening is if you take the first baby step, the baby step, the next one reveals itself. And then fast forward a few years later, I mean, you're in a completely different place. And it can be really quite quick. I mean, as, as evidenced by you, when you've got the right motivation, I think too many of us get, get fat and complacent, maybe not literally, but figuratively. And we never quite dial into that. Why as, as well as you did, like it, like that smacked you right upside the face and was a wake up call that you could not ignore. And I think it's unfortunate that, that so many people don't have something quite that high impact or, or they, or they ignore it or they just don't, they don't realize it. Right. So yeah, every successful, really successful real estate entrepreneur I've, I've known or interviewed had something kind of like that. They had a something bigger than just themselves, something way bigger than just making a million bucks or whatever it is. Right. It, there, there's the reason why. So Totally. Yeah, I love share, love the fact you shared that with us, Brian. So moving ahead, sounds like you're 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 getting things systematized very nicely with your you know creative business. 
Are you looking at different kinds of real estate ventures? Are you looking at different strategies? Or what are your thoughts there moving ahead? 100%. This is like the evolution of an investor, right? Like you start out with single family, maybe you do some wholesaling, and then you, you, know, you get into bigger and larger stuff. But I'm looking at commercial buildings. So right now I'm doing a campaign for apartment buildings in my area, you know, over a certain size, doing some, I'm actually having my son uh, write the, write the letters, which is kind of cool. Hey, my How dad old your son now? Your, he's 11. So okay. he's still, uh, he's still under the, uh, the IRS rule of getting to pay him because he's under 12, <laughs> um, so, which, you know, is I'm just going to say, Hey, and I'm going to pay him to do it. And he's, he's all about, it. I'm teaching him. It's like, that's, that's meaningful to me. Like he gets to be involved in the business yeah. and his eyes lit up. He's like, really, you're going to pay me a dollar per letter. I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'll pay you a thousand dollars if I buy somebody's apartment building. Oh, so wow. is, he was just yeah. like through the, through the roof. And I just, the letter's just going to be like, Hey, you know, uh, my dad wants to buy your building. Give him, give him a call, you know? <laughs> You'd be surprised. Well, I'm I'm interested to see what happens, but I'm looking at commercial stuff. My wife is looking at uh, opening up a business with a partner. Again, all stuff that kind of came from this moment that I had three and a half years ago. And I'm just looking to get into deals, right? And still buying stuff creatively, single family, but more opportunistic. Like the deal has to be a certain for me to get into it. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. Well, that's exciting stuff, Brian. And uh, yeah, time flies when we're having fun. So you've got like the best URL I've seen in a long time. We were talking about this off camera. I absolutely love it. I think that might be the best place for people to connect with you. I'm not sure, but why don't you let people know where they can find out more about you, Mr. Brian O'Neill. Listen to your podcast, check out your YouTube all in one spot. Yeah, that would be great. Uh, Thanks, Dave. It's w2prisonbreak.com. And all every everything you need to know about me is right there. And I love that. That URL says it all. W2prisonbreak.com. Love that URL. Thank you. <laughs> That's awesome. All right, Brian. Thanks so much for being on the show. It was a lot of fun. And I appreciate your insights, your tips, your suggestions about lead gen, what's worked well for you. And I I look forward to see how you progress over the next few years. Thank you, Dave. I appreciate the opportunity. All right, everybody, take care. We'll talk to you on the next episode.